Our culture seems to have a fascination with the wilderness and survival shows. Perhaps it's because we look around at the state of the world and we want to be ready as possible for an apocalypse, zombie or not. I began thinking this last week about how many movies and TV shows relate to the wilderness or survival. Season 10 of the TV show Alone debuted this summer. It is the History Channel's popular show where contestants are dropped off in some vast wilderness in the world somewhere with very few things. They get 10 survival items from an approved list and zero help. And then they're dropped off into the wild to survive. Survive the elements, the elements, the animals. They have to build a shelter. They have to find food and water. The basic object of the show is to not die. And the one who wins is the last one to call for rescue. Well, there's also the show Survivor Man, which is the granddaddy of all the Survivor shows, with survival expert Les Stroud. And it ran on various networks from 2004 to 2015, and it was the same premise. He was dropped off in these vast wildernesses all by himself. It was the first show to have the contestant film themselves so that they truly were alone, no team with them, as the same is in the Alone show. And then we have, if you might call it a survival show, Bear Gryllis. If you can accept that sometimes he's not as in much danger as we think he is, and he definitely has a TV crew with him. But any of his many shows, Man vs. Wild or the others, give you this experience of the wilderness and survival. And let us not forget, of course, the reality competition show Survivor which is in its 45th season and multiple spin-offs of that show where contestants form these tribes and they again battle the elements, usually on some tropical island. They have to build their shelter, make friends, build alliances, all those good things. And in the middle of that show, which is popular and, and, and continues to be a popular TV show, there's tribal councils, there's voting, there's immunity idols, there's backstabbing, there's betrayal, there's lies, all the things apparently we really love. Finally, at the end, the final tribal council votes and they decide who the sole survival is and they win the money for the show. The wilderness and survival entertainment industry has made lots of money for entertainment. There's something about it we love to watch and cheer and critique from the comfort of our chair at home with snacks in hands. We watch the show and we're like, I could have made a better alliance. I would have built a better shelter than that. I would never have lured a hungry bear into my campground. And when we watch it, it's kind of like when we watch TV or accidents. You can't hardly look away. We love the drama of the show, especially when it's not our drama. The wilderness is prime entertainment from the comfort of our homes. But when we find ourselves in the wilderness, especially in the abstract, the theoretical wildernesses, it's not so entertaining, is it? In fact, those kinds of wildernesses can be downright terrifying for us. There is, of course, the physical wilderness, the middle of nowhere places that seem empty and lonely and lacking in life and threatening from every side. And I'm going to guess few of us have much experience with that loneliness. It doesn't count if you get lost on a trail here in Jeff City and not sure how to get back to the parking lot. But we are familiar with the theoretical or abstract wildernesses of life. 
These can be things and times where we feel alone or empty or lacking in some way or feeling as if nothing will work out or we don't know what is going to happen next. There is the internal wilderness of disappointment and discouragement, doubt, fear, anxiety, grief, loneliness, wondering where is the God in the midst of this wilderness. You don't make the team or get the seat you wanted in band. Graduation is nearing and everyone's asking, what are you going to do next? And you'd like to know too, but you don't have a clue. A marriage or a relationship falls apart. Someone you love dies. The nest is empty for the first time and it's way too quiet. The bills came, the eviction notice arrived, and now the nest is not just empty, it's gone. The doctor delivers news that no one wants to hear. You're lost in the sea of expectations and obligations and notifications. Your Google Calendar, a rainbow of colors that only promise exhaustion. Your faith has more questions than answer for the first time in your life. You're at the age when you've lost your license, your home, your independence, your health, and you're wondering, where is God in this new wilderness? These are some of the wildernesses some of us have been through, some wildernesses that some of you are walking right now. And sometimes it feels like life or God himself has dropped you right in the middle of this vast wilderness with no help at all, with simply a good luck. The people of Israel felt the same. Our text today finds them in the wilderness of exile for over a couple of generations taken captive to a foreign land, far from home, far from everything that they knew. For centuries before, the prophets of old had reminded God's chosen people that they were called to be a holy people. Yet God's people often chose selfishness, injustice, and unfaithfulness. They ignored the needs of the poor while patting themselves on the back for all their good works. They failed to welcome strangers or care for widows and orphans. They cheated in business and in marriage. They worshipped false gods. Some pursued power and privilege. Very few pursued holiness. And the prophets warned that the unfaithfulness of God's people would lead to disaster. And about six centuries before the birth of Jesus, disaster happened. The Babylonians conquered ancient Israel. Jerusalem was captured, the temple destroyed, and the people were carried off into exile into a foreign land. And when our text today is is written, Isaiah 40, the Israelites were still in this captivity, taken from their homes and families with nothing. The temple in Jerusalem, the place where God could be found, was burnt to the ground. Psalm 137 tells us that they had lost so much that they didn't even have a song to sing. It says in that psalm, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? 
While in the wilderness of exile, they prayed and they pleaded for God to rescue them. They had broken the covenant with God, and the prophets of old had warned them of the consequences. So would God come to them in this wilderness of their own doing? Would God be faithful to them when they had failed to be faithful to God? Sometimes our wildernesses are the results of those who have gone before us. Generational trauma and pain. Sometimes our wildernesses are not the results of our choices, but sometimes they are. Sometimes we have no song to sing and only tears to cry because we've wandered far from the Lord, far from what gives life, seduced by the things that take life instead. Will God come to us in those wildernesses of our own choosing? Will God be faithful to us when we have failed to be faithful to God? Amid those questions, in the wilderness, after years of suffering, Isaiah 40 brings an entirely new word from God to the people through a prophet. It says, Comfort, O oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Can you imagine what that word might have felt like? Like a man lost in the desert in need of a cup of water, God offers these words of relief. You've served your time and then some. The time of suffering is over, Israel. Yes, you made a mess of things, but I, your God, have not abandoned you. Yes, you were not faithful to me, but I, your God, am faithful to you. Nothing will keep me from you. Prepare the way for me to come to you. In verses 3 through 5, we read these words. A voice cries out. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Then even ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Notice how verse 3 says to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Not a way to our God, but a way for our God. God is coming to us in our wilderness. God makes a way in the wilderness, whether our fault or not. In the very place of your fear, your pain, your brokenness, your loneliness, your confusion, whatever your wilderness is, God comes to us. We prepare the way. It's like a modern equivalent of rolling out the red carpet for someone important who is going to come. God is coming to us. And comfort was not all that God had to say to God's people. When the voice asked God, what should I preach?, we hear this response. Get up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Perhaps there is something to sing about once again. 
God's word for God's people in the wilderness when we aren't sure where we belong is this, comfort. Here is your God. God is here. God comes with might because some things need to change. Mountains need to come down and valleys need to come up. Crooked ways need to be made straight. And God also comes in comfort like a shepherd who gathers the lost sheep to his bosom and holds us and carries us. In the pandemic of 2020, it felt like a wilderness, didn't it? Life was upended, unpredictable. And in that season, when everything seemed up for grabs, we hungered for comfort and familiar, the predictable. I created routines in my daily life during that time, and they brought me comfort. One thing people did in that season was rewatch comfort shows. And in 2020, The Office was the most streamed TV show with over 57 billion minutes watched. Most of those were repeat viewers who knew the characters and what would happen. And so while life around us was changing rapidly, there were no surprises as they watched life unfold in Scranton, Pennsylvania. People didn't need to turn to a wilderness or survival show. They were living it. They wanted the comfort of familiar and known. And this is the same for us when there's a lot of change or discomfort in our life. We hunger for what is known and comfortable, even if it's not life-giving. Eventually, the Israelites returned to their homeland, but it wasn't the same. The temple was destroyed. People in familiar places no longer existed. New generations born in exile were returning to a place that they'd only heard of, and I'm sorry, but that place didn't match the stories of those who had gone before them. Going back to the old ways was not an option. In the wilderness of exile where they didn't belong, and in a devastated city where they returned, the Israelites were reminded from the high mountain and the voice of the prophets of where they had always belonged, and that was with God. Even if their temple and old ways were gone, God remained. In whatever wilderness we feel lost in and in every situation and place that no longer feels like where we belong, we're reminded where we always have belonged. And that is with God. No matter the zip code, no matter the circumstances, we belong with God. Friends, this is the anticipation of Advent. In those pandemic advents, when our celebrations looked different and we didn't gather with families or in this sanctuary, our comfort has always been and must always be found in Christ the Messiah. When we gather next Sunday night for our Christmas Eve service, may the joy that we experience not be in the comfort of this place or in the traditions of that service, but rather in the long-awaited and fulfilled promise that God is here. Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. God has moved into the neighborhood. It would be 30 years after that night in Bethlehem before people would begin to understand who was right there among them. Even as John the Baptist told them to prepare for the Messiah's coming, they didn't know the Messiah was already here, living it up in Nazareth. The Savior was already in the neighborhood, but they were slow to recognize him. And many, 
never did. He wasn't what they were expecting in a Messiah. But during their Roman wilderness, God was already there. God was at work. Is that not what we long to hear? Is that not good news for us today, for those of you who feel like you're in a wilderness of sorts? Maybe all you can see is the wilderness around you. Perhaps you have an expectation of how God will show up and rescue us in this world. And because of our expectations, we're missing how God is already at work. How God is already here with us in the wilderness. Isaiah's word from the Lord to the Israelites in their exile is a word to us today. In whatever wilderness we find ourselves in. May this be the good news that we proclaim as we lift our voices and candles this coming Sunday night and for every day, we proclaim it for ourselves and for the world. Comfort. Here is your God. Comfort. Here is your God. Right here. With you. With God is where you belong. Let us pray. Faithful God, some of us today feel lost in a wilderness, perhaps of our own doing, perhaps because life is hard and heavy and overwhelming sometimes. People fail. Systems fail. There is heartache and pain in and around us, and we confess, God, that sometimes we feel like you've abandoned us, like you've dropped us off in some vast wilderness for us to survive on our own, to figure out our way home. We need to hear that you are near. We need to hear the words today from this high mountain. We need to shout these words for ourselves and everyone to hear, comfort, here is your God. Spirit of God, help us to prepare the way for you in our hearts in this church, and beyond. Help us, God, know how to join you in making crooked ways straight. Help us to remember that where we belong now and forever is with you. Amen.